guys sound great, by the way. Wow. So impressed by that. Um, welcome to Central. You guys are looking good today. I want to welcome those of you here in the room. Also, want to give a quick shout out. Uh, to everyone joining us online, the other side of that camera, listen to a podcast later this week. Thanks so much for being with us. Even if it's just my mama, I'm glad to see you on the other side of that, that camera. Oh man, that's, that's great. So many great things happening around here at Central. We are fired up for all God has in store for us as a Central family uh, this fall. And uh, I am eager to tell you about some of those exciting things, but it's still summer. So I'm going to have to hold off on that. But some exciting things happening this summer. Uh, we're launching over 60 middle school students to camp this week, huh? Woo! More importantly, be praying for the leaders. And uh, we'll be praying for you parents who get a week of silence in the house. That'll be awesome for you. Uh, also, I wanted to invite you to save a date. Uh, save a date. Might want to write this one down. Uh, August 18th. August 18th is going to be a great weekend here at Central. Uh, we're going to have a very special guest sharing with us that weekend from this platform. A uh, guy by the name of Pat Gelsinger. Uh, Pat Gelsinger is the CEO of VMware. Uh, Pat is uh, Bloomberg actually produced an article, a report, uh, in June 19th of this summer, and uh, stating that of all the CEOs in all the CEOs across our country. Pat Gelsing was rated number one CEO in America of 2019. He's a tremendous leader, obviously, right? But uh, here's what's true of Pat. He loves God. He knows how to apply practical wisdom to his daily life. And uh, not only does he leave a, a successful company uh, with grace, uh, but he is a man after God's heart. And he has a heart for the bed. He has a heart for this house. And so he's going to be investing a weekend with us on August 18th. And uh, maybe you got some buddies at work, maybe you got some coworkers, some friends, some neighbors who would not come here, a guy like me, yeah, uh, but they might be interested to hear the number one CEO in America for 2019 share some wisdom uh, from his life and from his leadership. So save the day, August 19th. Uh, would love, that'd be a great week to invite some friends, family, coworkers, enemies, exes, all of them, all of them on August 19th. It'd be a great weekend. Well, today I want to talk to you about a key to navigating the future successfully. Uh, when I think of futuristic thinkers, very few individuals are more futuristic in their thinking than kids. Young minds think very futuristically. And I actually came across uh, a few examples of that this week. Uh, so I want to show you this first picture here. Uh, check this out. Three things you want to do in your future. So this boy responds, get a girlfriend, kiss her, rule the world. <laughs> that, that young man basically summarized all male philosophy in life right there. Like that's, that's our goal. Uh, this next kid, a little more realistic, the question was, uh, what will you be doing 100 years from now? His answer, breaking out of the tomb. <laughs> Very realistic, may not be here, but he's got a strategy, he's got a plan, I'm breaking out of that puppy. This final one here, this is Chris, he says, uh, I want to be Michael Jordan when I grow up. Clear action steps to fulfilling that dream, get bigger, shave my head, be black. <laughs> I'll be honest, when I saw that, my heart sunk a little bit because I've always had aspirations of being Michael Jordan. Disappointed in myself would be an understatement to think that I did not come up with that three simple step process of fulfilling that dream. Oh man, all of us have, have hopes. We all have dreams for the future. Uh, we hope for security and financial freedom. 
Uh, we want to live in a safe environment. We want our, our cities to be better and safer than they were before. We want to have greater satisfaction in our relationships. Uh, we, want, we expect things to get better in our life. As a matter of fact, we hope that we ourselves are better in the future. But we sometimes feel like things happen that are out of our control. Stock market, housing market, job security, swings on an up and down scale that, that seems to be a little bit out of our, our control. People we love are unpredictable. Families grow apart despite all the efforts. Our own bodies are unpredictable. And our desires, our own desires, our own bad habits tend to work against us at, at times. And so, even if we are like Chris, wanting to be Michael Jordan, even if we have a preferred future in mind and we know how to achieve it, we're not really sure how to take hold of that. And even if we do take hold of that desired future, once we get there, sometimes we're a little bit disappointed with the reality of how that feels of achieving that goal. Well, the Bible says that the key to navigating a future with success is living with practical wisdom in our daily lives. And so we've been looking at this book of Proverbs for the past seven weeks, and this is the final week of the study in the book of Proverbs. There's so much that I want to say, and so we're going to be here for about three hours, so just get comfortable. <laughs> no, uh, but, but we do want to cram a lot into this uh, final week of this series as we take hold of some practical wisdom for our daily lives. And uh, we've been reading this key verse, this theme verse for the past seven weeks. Some of you already have it memorized. Uh, but it's Proverbs 4 7. So, on this final week of this study of Proverbs, I'm going to invite you to read this out loud uh, with great gusto, with great conviction, and turn to your neighbors before we do and say, You can do this. Turn to your neighbors, you can do this. You can do this. You can do this. We're going to read this out loud together. All right, here we go. Proverbs 4 7 says this Wisdom is supreme, therefore, get wisdom. Though it costs all you have, get understanding. Turn your name and say you sound good today. <laughs> well, for everyone here in the room and also for everyone online, we have these uh, outlines you can follow along with uh, in your program. And so we're going to dive into some notes. And then I would just highlight this as well on the other page before I drop it. There's a section called Talk It Over. Practical application to massage the content that we're going to be hearing today into our daily lives. So make sure you utilize that uh, and refer back to these notes. Uh, this week. So here's the big idea for today. Here's the first fill in the blank. The first fill in the blank. The big idea of the day is this. Foolish people love to talk, but we all need a listening heart that will result in a teachable life. It's a big idea. Foolish love to talk, but we all need a listening heart that will result in a teachable life. And I'm going to kind of break down that statement throughout the, the course of this, this message. The first Section, though, is foolish people love to talk, right? You have people in your life, I mean, they just love to talk. It doesn't really matter what the topic is, they just, they just love to talk. Here's what Proverbs says, Proverbs 10, 8 says, The wise are glad to be instructed, but a babbling fool will fall flat on his face. Here's what I mean. Here's the, the first fill of blank under this, this header. Uh, foolish people often tend to posture themselves as the know-it-all, right? Like, like, you talk to them about anything. Like, they know everything. Like, you bring up your car. My car is making a funny sound. Well, they talk to you like they're Henry Ford himself. Like, they know everything about your vehicle, right? Uh, and you talk to them about this wonderful dessert you had last night. They talk to you like they're Martha Stewart, right? Like, they, they, I, I, not only I created a dessert like that by myself from scratch. Here's how you do it, right? Um, you talk to them about sports. You think that they're Scott Van Pelt or Stephen A. Smith. Like, they, they know everything there is about about sports. Proverbs 28, 26 says this. Those who trust in their own insights 
or foolish. But anyone who walks in wisdom is safe. That's what we want. We don't walk in wisdom. We want to be kept safe. We don't want to posture ourselves that we know everything, but there's collective wisdom in a room that we can pull out of those around us. Uh, foolish people, though, they, they just don't have to talk. They posture themselves as know-it-alls. Second thing that they do, uh, the been there, done that, right? You know some of these people in your life don't elbow anybody in the room, so they're not here. Uh, but, but some people act like been there, done that, right? And sometimes they'll ask you a question just as a springboard so they can tell you all that they've done and then and through and then so they can air, air their thoughts. Um, again, don't throw any elbows at this, but... Um, you know, you say, hey, I went on this vacation. I, I think it was, it was awesome. They're like, oh, well, I've been there. Let me, tell you about, let me tell you about me. Let me tell you about my story. And maybe they have been there, maybe they have been there. Maybe they just researched on Wikipedia, like Greece. <laughs> let me tell you about Greece. Here's what it is. I actually can speak a little Greek myself. I mean, you know, like they, they posture themselves. They, they've been there. They've done that. And whenever they, they, we posture ourselves as been there, done that, then we just undermine the individual that, that we're talking to. Uh, the next one blank here is this. These people, the one-upper. You guys know these people, one-uppers, right? You talk to them about anything. Like, oh, I climbed a mountain this summer. Uh, I thought it was awesome. Like, oh, let me tell you about this one time I climbed um, Yosemite uh, by myself without oxygen in my sandals. It was so awesome. Like, like you're just going to one-up you. Know, you caught a fish like this. this is they caught a fish like this, right? And it was awesome, the one-uppers. Um, Proverbs 12.15 says this. Fools think their own way is right, but the wise, they listen. Listen to others. They ask me questions. Uh, if you hear nothing else, I would encourage you to hear this. If you apply this one principle that I'm about to give you, I believe that you'll have more friends and influence more people. And that is this. Always be more interested than interesting. In conversation, always be more interested than interesting. Ask the questions. But don't posture yourself as, oh, I'm so interesting. You want to, you want to hear from me, right? Let me, let me hear you talk. Ask me questions. No, no, no. You want to posture yourself. I'm so interested in you. I see value in you. God has his hand on you. I want, I want to be more interested than interesting. Foolish people love to talk. But we need a listening heart that results in a teachable life. So what is a listening heart? What does that even mean? How do we have a, a listening heart? Um, well, Proverbs 1.5 says this. Let the wise listen to these proverbs and become even wiser. Let those with understanding receive guidance. We, we need to have a, a listening heart. And here's what's true of a listening heart. A listening heart is a humble heart. Humble. Humble people, like, like they, they, they see the, the wisdom of other people. They try to pull out wisdom from other people. They want to involve more people. They ask good questions to learn from those around them. Proverbs 11.2 says this, Pride leads to disgrace. With humility comes wisdom. We want wisdom. It requires us to have a posture of humility. Andrew Murray, a great devotional writer, wrote a small book called Humility. And in that book, he said this. He said, pride must die in you, or nothing of heaven can live in you. Pride must die in me, if anything of heaven is going to live in me. I have to set myself aside. Uh, Andrew Murray would write in another place, humility is the displacement of self. By the enthronement of God. Humility is a displacement of self by the enthronement of God. And here, I don't know about you, for me, I've realized that's not a one time decision, right? Uh, sometimes I'll be like, God, you're awesome, come to a place like this, we love you, you're great. And then I walk out there, I'm like, I got this figured out. I'm going to do this, I'm going to do this, I'm going to do this, I'm going to do this. No, 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 no. Whenever I realize I'm doing that, then I have to say, you know what? No, I'm going to walk in, I'm going to be a man who walks in humility so I can have wisdom. So I'm going to set myself off the throne of my life. 
we put God back there. God, you call the shots. Again, you're the leader. You're the forgiver of my life. C.S. Lewis said this, uh, humility is not thinking less of yourself, but it is thinking of yourself less. Right? And it's not saying, I'm a worm, I'm no good, I'm nothing. No, no, no. I'm just going to think about myself a whole lot less. I'm going to think about people. Uh, second thing with a listening heart, a listening heart has a desire to grow. Listening heart's humble. A listening heart has a desire to grow. Proverbs 27, 17 says this, As iron sharpens iron, so a friend sharpens a friend. Now, if we were to survey the room and I were to ask, would you like to be a butter knife throughout your life, or would you like to be a machete? Right? We'd be like, sign me up for the machete, right? Like, that's what I want. I want to be a switchblade. I want to be a butter knife that's only good for, like, tightening screws from time to time. Like, like, no, I want to be a weapon for God. I want to be useful in the master's hand. Well, well, here's the good news. As iron sharpens iron, so one friend sharpens another. But here's the, the challenge with that. Sharpening is addition by subtraction. You actually have to remove some layers of metal to create a sharp edge. And so we all like, hey, you want to be sharp? Yeah! You want to submit to the process? No. <laughs> I don't, right? And so some people remain a butter knife when God's called them to be a machete because a friend comes along and tries to help sharpen them, help them learn, but because they have not embraced a posture of humility, then they stay in the door as a, as a, a butter knife. Um, but the listening heart has not to grow. It allows close friends to sharpen them along life's journey. Third observation, a listening heart will embrace correction. A listening heart will embrace correction. Proverbs 12.1 says this. And I love Proverbs, because Proverbs is just such a straight shooter. Like, if you want some practical wisdom for your daily life, just read Proverbs today, uh, even after this series. It, it'll help you. Here's what it says. Proverbs 12.1 says this. To learn, you must love dis discipline. Here's the alternative. It is stupid to hate correction. I mean, he just calls it out. Like, you got two options. Two options in front of you. One, love discipline and learn. Second, be stupid. Any correction. It's like, wow, thank you very much. There's a whole lot of ambiguity there. I don't know. Um, yeah, how do you remember Blockbuster? You got any Blockbuster people here? Yeah, we remember Blockbuster. Yeah, 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 yeah. Some in the room are too young to remember Blockbuster. But this is going to be a historical journey, so go with us. Um, I remember Blockbuster. I have fond memories of movie rental stores. Uh, every Friday night at the Perkins household, uh, we would make homemade pizzas because we didn't have a whole lot of money. We'd go, we'd go rent a movie. It was awesome. And uh, great, clean, family fun, right? Uh, but here's what, for those of you who only grew up with Netflix, here's what, here's what you didn't experience. My parents would have to get me presentable to go out in public, right? I had to put on my shoes, have to wipe my face, have to uh, wipe off some sweat, some dirt for playing outside all day. Load me into this car. We had an old Monte Carlo, two pure Monte Carlo. I thought it was sweet. I wish I still had it. Uh, but once we got into this two-door Monte Carlo, my parents would drive us to the family video place or Blockbuster. And uh, once we got there, we didn't know what movies they had. Because the new releases aren't like on a smartphone or on a computer at this time. So we had to like walk up to this board and see this chart, this poster, right? Oh, this movie's out. Oh, this movie's coming out. Oh, okay. Then once we find which movie we have in mind to pick out, we have to go into the store and find the right section, right, of the store. You guys remember this? And we'd have to walk over to the section in hopes that maybe that movie's there. And once we find the cassette case, you don't have it yet. Because you have to check and see if there's an empty cassette case behind it, right? And if it's all gone, if they're all checked out, then you walk up to the front of the store where this punk teenager doesn't like his job and you ask him this question, 
hey, do you have this in stock? And very begrudgingly, he looks it up on the computer and, no, we don't. But then we're like, well, maybe there's hope. In the 15 minutes it took me to find this, maybe just want to drop it off in that box over there, right? So like, can you just check the box for me real quick before we, before we go? If the answer is no, then you start the whole process over again, right? And then you go home. I remember going home. We'd sit on the floor, we'd eat pizza. It was awesome. But then I feared for my life if, if, I, if I was not kind, and I did not rewind. I thought maybe the FBI would kick in my door. Like, I'd be a hard time for not rewinding that VHS before I returned it to Blockbuster. Well, now there's Netflix. Netflix changed the game. Now Blockbuster is no, some of you don't even know about Blockbuster. I feel for you. You know Netflix. But Netflix had the, offered Blockbuster, went to Blockbuster and said, hey, we want to sell out. Do you want to buy us Blockbuster for $50 million? Blockbuster said no. Now, according to Forbes magazine in March 2018, Netflix is worth $15.8 billion. CEO Reed Hastings is currently net worth at $4 billion. Opportunity. Do you want to buy us for $50 million? No. Because we feel like this is just a fad. It's going to phase out. Encouragement feels good. Correction fosters growth. Someone would probably around Blockbuster at the time say, hey, don't worry about Netflix. It's just a fad. They're going to be gone. You just keep doing what you're doing. I'm sure to the CEO of Blockbuster, that felt really good. Now, all of a sudden, that CEO of Blockbuster feels really bad. And Reed Hastings is like, I'm so glad I didn't sell for 50 million, right? Proverbs 12, 1. To learn, you must love discipline. It is stupid to hate correction. I implore you, don't be Blockbuster. Don't be Blockbuster. Let's be people that are open to wisdom from people we trust, allow them to speak into our lives, to, to, to dare to have courageous faith, take some risks, because you never know what's on the other side. A teachable life, that's what I want to talk to you about that. So we, we all uh, want this. A, a foolish love to talk, but we need a listening heart. We'll embrace correction, that, that, that wants to grow, that, that embraces humility. And that will lead to a, a teachable life. So I want to talk to you for a minute about about that. Uh, this world that we live in is changing, changing very, very rapidly. Uh, I've been reading John Maxwell's new book called Leadership, and uh, in Maxwell's new book, he, he quotes a Harvard Business Review article uh, entitled Mind the Skills Gap. Here's what it says, and I quote, the lessons learned in school can become outdated before student loans are paid off. It goes on to state that a bachelor's degree that used to sustain men and women throughout their life now has a shelf life of five years. I mean, things are changing. We've we got to embrace a, a teachable spirit, right? We have to be learners, ever learning. Uh, World Economic Forum produced this report titled The Future of Jobs. And it states, and I quote, on average by 2020, more than a third of the desired core skill sets of most occupations will be comprised of skills not yet considered crucial to the job today. Lynda.com author Mark Damon Ross bluntly states, in four years, you'll have to relearn 30% of your job. The world's changing. How will we thrive in an environment like this? 
Here's the opportunity before this. We, we must learn, unlearn, and then relearn. Proverbs 13, 13 through 14 says this. People who despise advice are asking for trouble. Those who respect a command will succeed. Check this out. The instruction of the wise is like a life-giving fountain. I mean, they're, they're always learning. Those who accept it, those who are learners, avoid the snares of death. How will we embody a teachable life that lives the life of a learner? How will we embody a teachable heart? Well, the first one of the blank, I believe, is this. First observation. There's a lot we can make, but here's, here's four of them. The first is this. Learners initiate. Learners initiate. James 1.5 says this. If you need wisdom, ask God. Ask the generous God, and he will give it to you. Like, if you're here today and you're like, man, I'm up against some things. I'm navigating a situation that I don't know what best next step to take. Your first step, our first step, is to say, God, would you give me wisdom here? I'm thinking about this, but God, I don't want to get ahead of you. I don't want to fall behind you. God, I need your wisdom. Would you speak to me? And you wait. And you listen. You read his word. Apply it to your life. Second thing I would encourage you to do is ask good questions. Ask good questions. Uh, men and women that are tremendous leaders ask tremendous Questions. Have you observed this in your life? Uh, I remember when I first met my wife, Tiffany, uh, she was she had asked such good probing questions, not just of, of tremendous leaders, but of everyone around her. She was always trying to instill value. I see value in you. Let me ask you a question. Let, let me ask you about what's your perspective on this? Her humility and the value she placed on people was very attractive to me. And she still sweeps me off my feet, by the way. Uh, I remember in a previous role, I would get to go pick up high-level leaders, and I picked them up from the airport, they were like coming to uh, preach for us at these different churches I was at, and, uh, and I like, had read their books, I had like high aspirations of like getting to know them and learning from them, gleaning wisdom from them, and so I had a long list of, of questions in my pocket when I picked them up from the airport, and I began to, to rapid-fire questions off and get the response and try to take mental notes, uh, but if I wasn't quick enough at that, they would turn the question back on me, they're like, hey, I heard this about you and the team building. Tell me about what you're doing here. How'd you land there? Why, why are you guys doing that? And they start asking me questions. And I'm like, bro, like, I'm a rookie. Like, let me learn from you. And I had one guy literally say this. He said, Tim, you're going to hear me speak for 30 minutes, but I've only got 15 minutes with you. Here are my three questions I'll ask you. And I'm like, are you talking to me? Like, do you know who I am? You know, like, but they're learners. They're learners. And learners initiate. Charles Tremendous Jones said this, you'll be the same person in five years as you are today, except for the people you meet and the books you read. We've got to initiate some learning. <coughs> Second observation is this, learners implement. Learners implement. How many of you have built a sandcastle this summer? Any, any sandcastle builders? How many of you have built a sandcastle in your life? How about that? Yeah, there it is. Hey, 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 I see. How many of you really get sand in your eyes and build a sandcastle? Yeah, okay. Yeah, right there. I appreciate that. I appreciate that, Steve. Um, I'm not a, a great architect when it comes to sandcastles. This is about my skill level. Let me show you this picture here. <laughs> That's what I'm working with. I mean, if I can stuff sand in a bucket, turn it upside down, I mean, six straw on it, I'm like, you're welcome, kids. Here we go. <laughs> but for those of you who are very skilled at building sandcastles, you might consider jumping into the Leap Sandcastle Classic in Northern California. It's the largest sandcastle building event uh, in the Bay, and it features a spirited competition between architects and, and contractors and, 
and uh, great planners and also elementary kids as they endeavor to, to build these beautiful, robust sandcastles that takes place at Ocean Beach in, in San Francisco. Uh, check out this first picture here of uh, some of what they do. Check out that turtle. Like, that's a serious turtle, right? Like, that's, that's pretty legit. Uh, my favorite there, Jabba the Hutt Sand Wars, right there. That's impressive. These things are massive, massive sandcastles. Check out this next one. These are like traditional sandcastles, right? But I'm pretty sure some of those have indoor plumbing. Like, that is <laughs> I envy them and their skills at sand building, uh, sandcastle building. Um, but let's check out this next picture. Here's what Ocean City Beach looks like today. All those hours, all the skills invested, all the energy, nothing to show for it. A lot of work, a lot of energy. Tide comes up, wind blows. Bye bye, Jabba. Jesus says the same thing about us when it comes to implementing his word into our lives. In his very first sermon in Matthew 7, he says these words. He says, Therefore, everyone who hears these words of mine and puts them into practice is like a wise man. That's what we want to be, right? We want to be wise. We want to, that's why we've been in this series throughout the summer, looking at Proverbs, saying, God, give us, give us wisdom. Help us to be wise. And Jesus says, Here, here's how you do that. We want to be a wise man. It builds his house on a rock. Rains come down, streams rose, wind blew and beat against the house, yet it did not crash because its foundation was on a solid rock. He said, there's some people that they go throughout their life, they invest their time, their talent, their resources, but they're just building this elaborate, elaborate sandcastle. And here's what they do. But everyone who hears these words of mine does not put them into practice. It's like this foolish man. We don't want to be a fool. Build his house on the sand. Rain came down, streams rose, wind blew and beat against the house, and it came down with a great crash. How sad. Here's the challenge for us in a room like this. If we're not careful, if we're not implementers, if we're not learners with a, with a heart that says, God, I want to implement your word, then here's my commitment. Like, I'm going to preach the word here. You're going to, you show up to Central, you're going to hear God's word preached. Central values God's word. But here's the challenge. If we don't apply, if we don't implement it into our daily lives, then we'll become more and more rigid, more and more religious, and less of a relationship. Life transformation flows out of implementation. James puts it this way. James 1.22 says this. Uh, be, be doers of the word, not hearers only, and so deceive yourself. Right? That's my story. My story is, man, throughout my life, I was deceived. I was deceiving myself. Because here's what I would do. I, I grew up, my parents uh, took me to church at a young age, and then my life went off the rails, right? Involved in addiction, involved in all kinds of junk that, that really destroyed my life. But here's my challenge. In the midst of that season, I still do God's word. I, I heard stories from a platform like this that said, God can change your life. And here's what I would do. I would say, oh God, my life's jacked. I need help. God, would you change my life? And I wake up the next day. Same addictions, same circle of influence, same bad habits, same life circumstances. And so I reasoned that because that was my reality, that maybe God didn't want anything to do with me. And I understood that. Because oftentimes I didn't want anything to do with myself. But I came to this point in my life where I said, God, I'm a broken dude. And I don't know why you want this life of mine, but you can have it. Because I'm kind of done calling shots. I'm going to let you call the shots. And I started reading his word. 
and saying, God, here's what your word says. I want to do that. Help me to do that. I started the best I could, not perfectly, but man, I, I strive to apply God's word to my life. And here's what happened. My life changed. Here's what Jesus said. John 8, 31. Jesus said to the people who believed in him, he would say to a room like this, people in church, people who believed in him, you are truly my disciples if you remain in my teaching, if you implement my word into your life. That word remain is a, a Greek word, minnow. It, it actually often is translated like when Paul was going to Ephesus, he stayed for two years, stayed two years. Like, like that's the same word. We would board a boat. We, we're going to stay on this ship. Same word, right? I'm going to stay there. I'm going to stay with God's word. I'm going to anchor myself into that. Here's what Jesus says. Truly you're my disciples if you remain faithful to my teaching. That's the premise. Here's the promise. And you will know the truth. And the truth will set you free. Jesus would say this. The key to freedom is not more information. It's more implementation. The key to freedom isn't necessarily more information. It's more implementation. Some of you have forgotten more than I have. Right? The key to life, the key to freedom, is just apply what we already know. The journey of following Jesus is just that, it's a journey. It's not a one-time decision where we sign up for hell insurance and then we're like, see you later when I get to heaven, right? It's a journey. It's a process. The, the journey is not about perfection, but it is about direction. Learners implement God's word. Third observation is this. Uh, learners improve. Learners are always looking for ways to improve. Let's be a people that's always looking for opportunities to improve. Uh, let's always be content, but never satisfied with where we are. Uh, last night, we had the opportunity to celebrate a couple that was in our, our first service. Uh, Bob and Nancy Winger celebrated their 50th wedding anniversary uh, this weekend. It was so awesome to be there, to see the uh, a milestone being crossed of 50 years of faithfulness, right? Like 50, let's, let's just drink 50 years. <laughs> Doing life together. And they still like each other. It's awesome. It's awesome. The way Bob looks at Nancy, I'm like, man, like a kid on prom night. Like, that's awesome. I love it. And it's appropriate for us whenever we see a couple celebrating a 50th year anniversary to say, what's the secret sauce, right? Like, give us some insight. Give us some wisdom, right, from your life, your experience. And, uh, and Bob and Nancy shared some great thoughts on, on what was the key to success. And, but, but, but Nancy, she said, if I could boil it all down, she said a lot of great things. She said, but if I could boil it all down, here's the secret. Lean in, married folks, those aspiring to be married. Here's what she said. She said, always let God change you. <laughs> always let God change you. Forgive. Forgive again. Love. Try to love better. Value your spouse. Try to outserve them. And once you've outserved them, try to outserve them some more. Always live in this posture and say, God, my life is yours. You can change me. Let's be better parents, better employees, better followers of Jesus, better leaders, better stewards. Let's improve at loving people well. That's what the Apostle Paul challenges us to take that posture when he wrote 1 Corinthians 9, 24-27. Here's what it says. It says, don't you realize in a race everyone runs, but only one person gets the prize. <clears throat> so run to win. Constantly improve. 
Verse 25, all athletes discipline themselves in, in their training. I mean, they're always looking for opportunities. They're always looking for, for, for that competitive advantage, right? They do that to win a prize that will fade, but we do it to win an eternal surprise. So I run with purpose in every step. I'm not just shadow boxing. I discipline my body like an athlete, training it to do what it should. Otherwise, I fear after preaching to others, I myself might be disqualified. Paul was like, I'm constantly looking for ways to improve. And he challenges you, do the same. Don't go through life shadow boxing. Don't just go through the motions of this thing. Let's implement God's word. Let's look for ways to improve. Let's be better. We value excellence. Excellence is not about perfection, but it is about direction. Excellence is always moving towards improvement, always letting God change us into the men and women that he created us to be. St. Jerome put it this way. I love this quote. He says, good, better, best. Never let it rest till your good is better and your better is best. Anyone could claim, if anyone could claim, man, I've, I've arrived, right? It's the Apostle Paul. He wrote two-thirds of the New Testament, right? It's awesome. But he said, no, 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 no. I, I, I'm not, I haven't taken hold of it yet. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to beat my body, make it a slave. I'm going I'm to be disciplined in this. I'm going to take every step with purpose. I'm not running just to run. I'm running to win. I'm looking for ways to improve. I'm looking for that competitive advantage. Fourth and final observation is this. Learners inspire. Learners inspire others. I love being around learners. They're always inspiring me to keep learning. I love, I love being around Richard Rock. Every time I'm around Richard, he's always learning something. He's like read five books and I've like opened the book to a chapter, right? I'm like impressed by this guy. Always learning. And here's what the reality is. That it challenges me to keep learning. It challenges me to be sharper. It challenges me to keep, keep pressing in. And as you embrace, as we collectively embrace the life of a learner, you too will inspire others to keep learning. Mark Twain put it this way. Few things are harder to put up with than the annoyance of a good example. Few things are harder to put up with than the annoyance of a good example. I mean, a guy that just won't quit. I mean, that, that man has arrived. Everyone looks at him and says, man, you've got it together. Like the Apostle Paul, man, you've got it figured out. He said, no, 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 no. I'm going to run. I'm going to keep running away. I'm going to keep looking for that competitive advantage. That's instilled in the heart of a learner. And that inspires all of us to say, man, we've got to lean in. We've got to keep learning. James 3.18 says this. Those who, sow, those who are peacemakers will plant seeds of peace. As a result, they'll reap a harvest righteousness. As you live the life of a peacemaker, seeing the best in others, speaking the best about others, not assuming the worst about every situation, but let's just be people that assume the best. But let's be people that don't stir up conflict. Let's be people that, that, that minimize conflict. Man, we just keep peace. Since as you do, you'll reap a harvest of righteousness. I believe the same is true. As you go about your life sowing seeds of a teachable life, You'll inspire others to live the life of a learner. Be that annoying good example that we need, that this world desperately needs, inspires others. To recap, the foolish love to talk, but we all need a listening heart that will result in a teachable life. Imagine how your life will look when you embrace a teachable life. We're living in a time that requires us to learn 
unlearn and relearn again. Let's initiate learning this week. Let's add value to those around us by asking them good questions. Imagine the freedom you'll experience this week as you implement God's word. Not just hearing it, but man, we're going to be people that implement. We don't want to be people that just build these elaborate sandcastles. No, no, no. We're going to build our life off the rock. We're going to apply God's word to our lives on a consistent basis. Imagine how you go about life looking for ways to improve. Constantly looking for ways to get better and better and better. Living from this posture of excellence, not perfection. Always striving to be a little bit better. It's not about perfection. It is about direction. Let's move in that direction of being the people God's called us to be. And as we embody a teachable life, imagine how many people are going to be inspired by you. Inspired by your learning as you share what God's showing you. You're going to show others. It's going to initiate inspiration. That will lead to life change. Final fill in the blank is this. Wisdom from week number seven. The habit of a teachable spirit produces a life of consistent wisdom. As we embrace a teachable spirit, man will live from a posture of consistent wisdom. Always learning. Daily becoming new God has created us to be. We may not be there yet. We're not where we used to be. Thank God for that. We're never not where we want to be. We're always striving for that. Let's pray. God, we thank you for your word. We thank you, God, for the wisdom of Proverbs. And God, I pray that you would help us to implement the learnings we've heard here today and gathered from your word. God, help us to be consistent learners that inspire others and sharpen the world around us. God, help us to be open to feedback from close friends. We don't want to be blockbuster, God. Help us to live a life like Netflix. Taking initiative, taking courageous faith, taking steps in that direction. God, we need your help to be those people individually and to be those people collectively as Central Christian Church. And God, I thank you. We're going to give you all the thanks because you've been so good to us. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen.